And I just want to say, I've been really blessed to know every single one of you guys. I mean, this has been a really good group. And many times, I don't, I don't think I ever cried so much. You know, it takes a lot to make me cry. <laughs> so, but to hear your testimonies and just the healing and just the depth of the pain that you're just sharing from the, the deep recesses of your hearts and the transparency was, so, transparency was so powerful to me. And I was deeply moved by it. I've never seen anything like this in this past week. In all my years of ministry and the different speaking games I've ever spoken at or even ministries that I've been attended at, attended, I've never seen the Holy Spirit move so much in this past week. I don't know about you. Want to say amen? amen? And so God moved in a powerful way. And so I just want to say uh, it's been an honor to get to know every single one of you. It's been a blessing. Very powerful for me and my family. And I think it's healing for my daughter. One, one night my daughter was just crying because an experience one of you shared was an experience about that my immediate family went through ourselves. And I think my daughter needed to hear that for healing for herself. And you're never too young to heal. What do you say? Amen? Amen. You're never too young to heal. Let's go on with our story. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 17. And we're going to be looking at a story of Jonathan. And first of all, we're going to give you a backdrop what's going on in this story and what happened. So it's talking about God's glory. And today my question, whatever happened to God's glory? So God's glory is his what? Character, right? Exodus 33 and 34. And God's character is a character of love. First John 4 verse 8 says that God is love. So when it's talking about God's glory, it's talking about like God's glory has been lost. And today, where is God's glory? Where is it seen in our churches today? Where is, you know, because of sin... The love of many has grown cold, even not only in the world, but has grown cold even in our churches today. Do you not believe that? And I look for this love in many places, and yet I have not discovered it. For I've seen the homes of our families torn apart by the contention and hostilities within. I've seen the movings of the Holy Ghost hindered by the decisions to follow worldly policy within the church. I've seen the forever dreams of the hearts of our young people crushed by sin. I've seen the only glimmer of hope within the faithful extinguished by the politics within the church. Oh, beloved, this evening I plead with you to tell me, if you can, where is the glory? We're in a serious situation. Our churches are suffering and there's nothing really being done about it. And even though we are in a critical condition, it seems as if no one even cares. If there ever was a time where we needed God to deliver His people, beloved, that time is now. Now is the time to do something about it as I give the class charge. Now is the time to make a difference. Now is the time to bring back that glory. What do you say? Amen? Oh, beloved, how much we need that glory this evening. So as we look in God's Word, May we see the creative power of God's word as we go through it and allow it to change my life and your life. I want that. How about you? Let us pray. Father, as your word is open, how much we need you tonight. And not only tonight, but the rest of our lives and for all eternity. Thank you for helping us to understand it. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 17. How did the people feel concerning the offering of the Lord? Notice the Bible says here about the worship. 
Wherefore the sin of the young man, which was Hophni and Phinehas, which was the high priest's son, they were so wicked, and said they were so sinful of these young men, was so great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. The time had come in God's church at that time where the minister's own children had gone so far away from God and actually became ministers themselves and had desecrated the temple so much, the house of God, that it began to turn people away from God. And could it be that because of the sins of God's professed people within His remnant church, could it be possible that because of the lies and the sins of God's remnant church people within His church, could it be possible that by their action, they could also, we could also turn people away from God. And so the cry was out during this time of corruption in God's church at that time of ancient Israel, God's church, there was a cry to bring back the glory. Not only that, look at verse 12. Why were the sons of Eli wicked and evil men? Notice the Bible says in verse 12. The Bible says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They what? Knew what? Not the Lord. So the reason why they were sinful, the reason why they were not obedient, because they did not know who God is. But to know God is to what? Love God. For God is love. So the reason why they didn't obey God because they didn't know God. And if they didn't know God, then they wouldn't love God. Right? We started off in the beginning of the orientation last week. So it's very important to know God. But they didn't know God because they didn't know God. They didn't love Him. Because they didn't love Him, they didn't obey Him and follow Him. Today the problem is no different. Just like the Jewish church, God's remnant church has people within a church who also are leading out who also do not know God. And beloved, my question, do you know who God really is this evening? Do you know Him? If you don't, get to know Him. What do you say? Amen? Amen. Get to know Him. First Samuel chapter 3, turn to the next chapter. We jump to chapter 3, a little bit more history, what's going on in the story. What else was going on in Israel? The Bible says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, so there was a, a little child in Samuel, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. You see, there was a famine for the word of God in God's remnant church at that time, the Jewish church. It says here that the word of the Lord was precious. In other words, the truth of God's word was just kind of repeated in the same old way, the same old story. But God wanted to give them present truth for that time. And beloved, God wants to give us present truth for our time. What do you say? Amen? Amen. And there was no open vision. And the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. And God's people were perishing in those days. And beloved, and just as it was back then, just as it is today, there are people within God's church who are suffering, who are hurting, who are also perishing, and they're longing for the healing touch of God. What do you say? Amen? And God is looking for you to give them that touch. The charge is to you to be the one to give the vision, to be the one to open the Word of God. Even though there may be a famine in the Word of God, you can be the one to give them the bread of life. What do you say? Amen? And people are not, like I said earlier, people are not just hungry. People are starving. What do you say? Amen? Somebody shared to me, I said, people are hungry. No, they told me, no, people are starving. 
people are starving for the word of God. What was wrong with Eli? He was a church leader. Notice what it says in verse 2. And it came to pass that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. You see, the spiritual leadership in that day could not see the glory or the character of God's love. Today, the reason why the leadership is suffering because spiritually, many do not see the beautiful character of God's love. They're teaching the, the doctrines. They're teaching the standards. They're teaching the prophecies. They're teaching what you need to do and what not to do. But they're not giving you the power to do what God is asking us to do. What do you say, huh? And God wants us to give us the power, which is the power of love for faith which works by love. What do you say, amen? amen. What else happened in the temple? Look at verse 3. The Bible says, and ere the lamp, and almost the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord. That lamp was not supposed to go out, but it almost went out where the ark of God was. And Simon was laid down to sleep. In other words, the light of the Holy Spirit within the church. Because the oil represents the Holy Spirit in the lamp. The lamp and the Holy Spirit was almost gone within God's remnant church at that time. In other words, the reason why the Jewish church was dying in those days is because there's very little of the Holy Spirit. And beloved, the same is also true today. Do you not see the flame of the Holy Spirit flickering in and out of consciousness in God's church today? Do you not see wherever you go to church and you're longing, why is it that people are still so abusive spiritually? Why do people still say words that are hurtful to one another? Why is it sometimes you may cringe because you're worried about bringing a friend because you're so worried that someone's going to say something wrong to them and they're never going to come back? Beloved, the, the flame of the Holy Spirit has been flickering. And God wants to rekindle that to you. What do you say? Amen? Be that flame that God is calling. Let God's light shine through you to reveal God's love to others. I want that. How about you? What do you say? Amen? Who heard the voice of God? Chapter 3, verse 10, the Bible says, And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. It's interesting to notice that Eli never heard the voice of God. In other words, the leadership in the church did not hear the voice of God. It was a child that God spoke to and listened. And the same way today, God is often heard by many who have the simple faith of a child rather than the baggage of a warped church culture. Can I hear you, man? Amen? In other words, just because you're leading a church doesn't necessarily mean that God's always going to be using. God can use you even if you're a little child. What do you say? Amen? And child spiritually, child in knowledge. You may not know much, but God can use you more than someone who's been in a church 20, 30, 40, 50 years. What do you say, amen? amen? And God wants to create a culture of love, a culture of acceptance, a culture where people feel comfortable, a safe place that they can come to. May we be that safe place. So this is the backdrop. This is what happened. And the Israelites were going to go to war. And they're going to face the Philistines. And this is the backdrop of God's chosen church at that time. And with that understanding, let's go to battle in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 3. 
First Samuel chapter 4, verse 3. What's going on here? Before Israel went out to fight against the Philistines again, what did the people decide to do? The Bible says here, they, you know, they lost the war against the Philistines, the battle. And so they came back, but they did something different. This time, this is what happened. And when the people will come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore has the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it comes among us, it may save us out of the hand of the enemies. So the Israelites went to war against the Philistines. And as they went to war, the Philistines, they lost. And they said, hey, we got an idea. Let's go and get the Ark of the Covenant. And what's inside of the Ark of the Covenant? The Ten Commandments. We're God's chosen people. We've been given the, the oracles of truth to the world. We have his special privileges and honor. So let's carry this into battle. And let's go into battle being God's chosen church at this time. So they grabbed it. They went into battle. And the same way it could be possible that we as Seventh-day Adventists could also believe that just because we have the truth, just because we hold the sacred oracles of truth and all ten commandments that we have God's favor regardless of whether we know God or not. Do you think that's possible? Do you think that we can be saved as almost salvation by Seventh-day Adventist church attendance? Do you think that we can be saved just because we know all of God's truth? What happened when the ark came into the camp? Notice what the Bible says in verse 5. It says, And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. They're taking the ark. They put it in the middle of the camp. And they were so excited, they shouted with joy. And because of that shout, the, all of Israel shouted with joy. And they become so excited that it rang throughout the earth. A token of God's favor. And what happened in verse 7? How did the Philistines react to this? Look at verse 7. The Bible says, And the Philistines were what? Afraid. For they said, God is coming to the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for it has not been such a thing heretofore. So in other words, they were so afraid that here comes God's people and they come with the Ark of the Covenant and they, were, they had heard the rumors that it was the Ark of the Covenant and the shout that rang throughout the whole world and they became afraid. So terrified that they weren't going to attack Israel. They're going to actually retreat away from Israel. And notice what happens in verse 10. What happened at the battle? Look at verse 10 and 11. The Bible says here, and the Philistines fought, and Israel was what? Smitten, beaten. And they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter. For there fell of Israel, how many men? 30,000 footmen. What had happened? Why did he lose? Didn't they have the Ark of the Covenant? Didn't they have the truth? Weren't they God's true church? If this is all true, then why did they all lose? Isn't that a good question? You see, first of all, the Bible says that God sends His reign upon the just and the unjust. In other words, God blesses everyone, the good and the bad. What do you say? Amen? For He has no respect of persons. But we're also told in Acts chapter 5, verse 32, that the Holy Ghost is given by God to them that obey Him. What do you say? Amen? 
No, no, there is a special blessing when we obey the principles of God. Prophets and Kings, page 293 says, God's favor toward Israel had always been conditional on their obedience. On their obedience. In other words, even though God blesses everyone and is a very merciful God, His special favor toward His church has always been conditional upon their obedience to Him. I want to be obedient to God. What about you? What do you say? Amen. The problem with Israel is that they're going through the forms and traditions of going to church. And the same way today, there are many who are going through the forms and motions of spirituality on the outside, but by their lives you can clearly see that they are empty of God on the inside. Empty of love, empty of hope, and empty of healing. Beloved, I want to continue to heal. What about you? What do you say? Amen? What were the final words of Phinehas' wife? You know, Eli passed away. Phinehas and Hophni were, were killed in battle. The priests of the Lord. And the wife of Phinehas said something in 1 Samuel 4, verse 20 to 22. Notice the Bible says. The Bible says, And about the time of her death, when she died, Phinehas' wife, when she found she was giving birth, that the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not. For ye have borne a son, but she answered not, neither did she regard it. She passed away and died. But notice what it says. Before she died, she said this. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law, Eli, and her husband, Phinehas. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. And on the battlefield, as thousands upon thousands of Jews were slain that day, there was also heard the voices of Israelites shouting, Ichabod, the glory has departed. Ichabod, the glory has departed. Well, time moved on. Days passed into months. Months passed into years. But Israel still continued on with their forms of worship, even though they knew that they were now without the Ark of the Covenant and without the glory of God. It seemed that Israel could go no lower, but then it happened. Israel now then faced the greatest challenge of all time. And beloved, sometimes when you see and hear what is going on in our churches, there are times when you may feel that we cannot go any lower. And that's when the crisis hits. Notice what happens here. 1 Samuel chapter 13. Please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5. What was the crisis? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5. The Bible says, The Bible says, And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots. So they're lining up. There are 30,000 chariots with the Philistines, the enemies of God. 6,000 horsemen and people as the one. Sand, which is on the seashore in multitude. Can you imagine that? You have all these wars lining up. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and soldiers as the sand, which is on the seashore. Now, how much sand is on the seashore? <laughs> You know, you go to like, I like going to the beaches, you know, go to Hapuna Beach. You grab that sand, 
And like you pour it through your finger. How many things, you grab a handful of sand, how much, people, how much sand do you think is in the side of your hand when you pour it through? A hundred? Can you imagine the sand that's on the whole shore of Popuna Beach? How much people is that? That's a lot. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and there's millions of soldiers ready to fight against God's people. What was Israel's reaction to this crisis? Verse 6 and 7, what the Bible says here. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, they were discouraged. In other words, when they saw that all these warriors were against them, they were so discouraged. God's people had become discouraged at what they saw within the church. Then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. They hid in the mountains. And not only that, it says, And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And as for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. The Bible says that some hid themselves in mountains, and not only that, but others were told to say they joined the Philistine armies. And only 600 people followed Saul and stayed within the Jewish church. And they followed Saul trembling. Now think about it. If you were facing an army, and there you were in Afghanistan, 30,000 tanks, 6,000 aircraft, fighters, and soldiers as the sands of the sea. And all you had with your leader was 600 soldiers. How would you feel? There you are against battle, and you had only 600 men. Not only that, but all 600 soldiers, you, you, all of you were trembling as you faced your challenge. Wouldn't you be terrified? One of the sad things about the crisis is that the Bible says that some of the Hebrews went over to Jordan, to the land of Gad and Gilead, never to return. And there's a sad commentary that today a large majority of our young people have also crossed over to the Jordan, to the other side, never to return. The Bible says in the last days, iniquity will abound and the love of many will grow cold. And because of the increasing sins within our churches and the love within our churches have also grown cold. And because of this truth of this statement that many of our young people have become discouraged at what they have seen and experienced within our churches. And they have left God's remnant church never to return. Have you known any of them? I have. How about you? Anyone here knows any of the people who have left the church never to return? In addition to all that was going on, what else was plaguing the Jewish church? Look at 13 verse 19 and 20 and 22. The Bible says here, The Bible says here, And there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. Verse 20, But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share and his halter and his axe and his mallocks. In other words, in all of Israel, they had 600 soldiers, yes. But there was no sword. They had no sword because the Philistines didn't want him to make any swords. So they got rid of all the blacksmiths. And they had no blacksmiths to make any weapons. So all that they had inside here was, in verse 20, it says, All this went down to the Philistines to shop every man his share, and culture, and accent on his mattock. In other words, all they had was gardening tools.
Here you have people with the jet fighters, right? 6,000 jet fighters, 30,000 tanks, millions of soldiers. All you have is 600 soldiers, but you don't have any guns. All you have is knives. And you're going against this big army. All you had is 600 people with these knives. That's all you had. Wouldn't you be discouraged? I would. But not only that, it says in verse 22, it says, So it came to pass in that day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any people that were with Saul and Jonathan, but with Saul and with Jonathan his son, there was found. Now somehow, there was the blacksmiths, right? The Philistine blacksmiths. Somehow there was an underground blacksmith. Somehow there was a, a blacksmith that was able to create two swords. And one was given to one who didn't know how to use it, was too fearful to use it, had too much fear in his life. And the other one had the perfect love that cast out all fear. What do you say, amen? And Jonathan, his son, also had a sword in his hand. That's all there was, two swords in this story. Now I want you to notice that the reason why the Philistines controlled Israel so that there would be no blacksmith. In other words, there's no one that could create these swords that were weapons to be used to fight in the battle. In other words, they had a Philistine accrediting agencies that hindered the people from being able to use a sword. Now, what does a sword represent in the Word of God? Ah. Somehow, there was a school. Can I hear Amen. Somehow there was a school where it was taught. An underground school that no one really knew about. What do you say, amen? A school of the prophets. Can you hear amen? A healing rain school. Underground, no one knew about. Not even accredited by the Philistine Accrediting Agency. Amen? Somehow this school was able to produce people who are able to use the Word of God. Can you hear me? Amen? Amen? And they were able to use it because no one else, would, all they had was guarding tools. Nothing's wrong with guarding tools if you're guarding. What do you say? Amen? amen. I praise God for Brother Edwin. What do you say? Amen? amen. But guarding tools are not used for going to battle. What do you say? Amen? Guarding tools is used for guarding, but swords are used for war. What do you say? Amen? amen. And somehow there's a school, an underground school that's able to teach people how to use the Word of God who are not fearful to use it. Turn to the next text. It's 1 Samuel 14, verse 6 to 7. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6 to 7. In the midst of this crisis, what happened? Saul's son, Jonathan, what did he do? And this is the story. That was a preliminary. This is the story. Verse 6. Jonathan said, Imagine this. This is what Jonathan said. Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over into the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. In other words, he was a man who experienced healing and perfect love cast out all fear. What do you say? Amen? Amen? He had no fears. 530 documented fears, right? Fear of people. Fear of not making people happy. People pleaser. Fear of the unknown. 
Fear what's going to happen in the future. Anxiety. Continue anxiety of fear, depression. He had all these fears, but you know, there was a one man who had so experienced the beautiful power of God's love that all fear was cast out of his life. What do you say? Amen? He had no fear. He had the word of God. And as he went out, it says, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 7, he asked his armor bearer, would you join me? And notice what it says in verse 7. And his armor bearer said unto him, do all that is in your heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with you according to your heart. What do you say? Amen? No, no, there was one man. There was one man against all odds. When all of Israel was afraid, and all of the other Israel, they, they joined the enemy side of the Philistines. They had gone AWOL. They had double-crossed their nation. They've gone into the mountains and the dens, and they'd hid. They were so afraid, and they'd, some of them gone over never to return. And 600, those were following the leader. They were still there, but they were falling, trembling. But there was one man who was not afraid. What did he say? Amen? And he had such boldness. He inspired his armor bearer, and those two went out and decided to go because Jonathan was rightly trained with the sword of God. Notice it says here in verse 13, what happened when Jonathan and his armor bearer attacked the Philistine outpost? Notice it says in verse 13, and Jonathan climbed up upon his hands, upon his feet, and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, his armor bearer, slew after him. And that first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men. It was just a small victory, but they won. And so they went up there and they followed up and they attacked this outpost. And just Jonathan, the courage of just one man, went out with his armor bearer and they defeated that outpost. You think it's just a small battle. You think it was just not a big deal. But I want you to notice what it says next that happened. Look at verse 15 in the Bible. The Bible says, There was trembling in the host because of this battle, in the field and among all the people. The garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled, and the earthquake, so it was a very great Trembling. It was the courage of just one man. He inspired his army bearer, and they went out to battle, and they won this small outpost. But because of this, all the Philistines, they got into a panic because they thought that Israel was attacking them, and everyone was losing. And so they panicked, and they began to tremble, and they began to be in fear. God had helped them. What happened next? First Samuel chapter 14, verse 20. Notice the Bible says here. And Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves. And they saw that who was missing. And Jonathan had left with this one man and went on without them. And they came to the battle. What do you say? Amen? The Bible says that when Saul and his 600 men saw that there was something going on, they came down to join the battle. What do you say? Amen? Just because of the courage of just one man. But not only that, what happened next? Look at verse 21. The Bible says here in verse 21, Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp from the country roundabout, even they also turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and Jonathan. What do you say? Amen? 
In other words, with the courage of one man that inspired his armor bearer, and he inspired some hope within his armor bearer that the armor bearer joined him and joined him into that battle. And not that because those who were disheartened, who were falling, saw and, and with still within there, in, inside the Jewish church, they got so inspired that they joined Jonathan, his armor bearer. Now there are 602 men. What do you say, amen? <laughs> but not only that, but those who had gone, AWOL, had double crossed and gone to the Philistines, when they saw that, wait a minute, something's happening there in my church. Can you hear amen? Amen? Something's happening there and the courage of one man when he saw that something was moving. Something was moving. They were inspired that they left the enemies who they had joined to join God's remnant church. Can you hear amen? Amen? Amen. All because of the courage of just one man. But an interesting thing is here, it didn't stop there. Verse 22. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them in a battle. Can you hear amen? Amen? So when they saw Jonathan, his boldness attacked that outpost and he won his armor bearer with him. And when he saw the boldness, then Saul joined the battle. But not only that, but those who had gone to the Philistine, they joined the battle, and it was a big, great big army. But not only that, but those who had hidden the mountains and the caves, who were so disheartened and hurt by the, the pain of the church, when they saw that God was moving within His church once again, they also came back home to join the battle. Can you hear amen? Amen? And all of this happened just because of the courage of just one man. That's all it took was just one man. It was the courage of just one man who inspired his armor bearer, those who are still faithful to God even today, to join the battle. It was the courage of just one man who inspired the king, the leadership within the church who is disheartened to join the battle. How many ministers I meet and I know personally, my colleagues in ministry who tell me they are discouraged with how the direction of the churches is going. Telling me it feels as if the churches are dying. And yet it occurs that one man inspired the kings, the leadership, the pastors. And all it took was just one man. It occurs that one man who inspired the trembling 600 soldiers. Those who stay in the church but who are dispirited to join the battle. Can you hear amen? Amen. It was the courage of just one man who inspired those who are united with the Philistines, those who have been hurt by the church, who are now attending Sunday churches out there to come back and join the church and join the battle. What do you say, amen? It was the courage of just one man who inspired those who are hiding out in the caves, those who become discouraged and frustrated and worshiping in the home churches to come back and join the battle. One by one, as they popped out their heads, they, they saw crying out to one another, there's something going on in the church. And beloved, we are in the last days. Can you hear amen? Amen? And when they see that something is going on, there's a movement. There's someone here who stood up who had the boldness of just a warrior within the heart to stand up. And as they came slowly out of their hiding, they popped their heads out to join the people. Soon, 
There was a massive army united in fighting against the enemies of God. And all of this just because of the courage of just one man. Do you really believe that those who were discouraged within Saul's army weren't loyal to Israel? Do you really believe that those who joined the Philistines army who have left even God's Seventh-day Adventist church today, do you think that they're not loyal? You know how many Adventists I hear out there? They say they may be out in the world, but they still call themselves a Seventh-day Adventist. Do you know that? Down deep in their heart, they're looking for something to happen, and you could be that one man. In spite of all they did deep down inside, they're still loyal to the church. All they needed was just the courage of just one person. Who was it that was saved Israel that day? Look at verse 23. The Bible says, So the Lord saved Israel that day. Who saved Israel that day? The Lord. The, Lord. the Bible says that the Lord delivered Israel. And beloved, it's through the courage of this one man that God saved Israel. A man who had been rightly trained and willing to be used by God. A person who had experienced emotional healing in their life. The love of God had entered into their souls. Cast out the fear, the pain, the hurt, the bitterness, the anger, the resentment. And they're trained with the word of God. And they're willing to go out. I want to be that. How about you? What do you say? Amen. This evening, where are you in this story? Are you a Saul, a leader in God's church who wants to do something but too disheartened to do anything? You're on the church board, an officer in the church. Maybe you're like the 600 men, those who decided to stay within the Seventh-day Adventist church but are trembling as you follow the leadership. Is that you? Or maybe like those who joined the Philistine, those who have left God's remnant church to join the Sunday church because someone had hurt you within the church. Is that you? Are you like those, or you know someone like that? Are you like those who hid in the mountain in the caves? Those who deserted the church to worship within a home church because you're discouraged at the sins that maybe saw within the church. Where are you really this evening? Whatever your situation may be, you may be that person that warrior within God's church, that God is calling you, you could be that person. Is there a Jonathan this evening? Is there a Jonathan this evening? All God needs is this one person. One person. That's all God needs is one person. And he can turn the whole tide of the church. Can you hear amen? Amen? amen. Is there Jonathan this evening? That's all he wants is one. A soldier that's willing to use a sword. Saul had a sword. He didn't use it. Beloved, God has given you the word of God. What do you say? Amen? You've experienced the healing of God in your life. This is my charge to you. Is there just one person here tonight Someone who has been willing to use by God. Is this one person who is willing to go out and do something great for God and say, God, here I am. And that's something great maybe just being laying in your bed and being a witness by the life of being content, being sick in your bed. Can you hear amen? Amen? There's just one person that can show the love of God, whatever your circumstances are or whatever condition your church is at or wherever you may be. It doesn't matter what the churches are like. It matters if we're surrendered, if there's just one Jonathan here. God is just looking for one person here. 
And when they see God moving within our churches, they will come home. And they will say in that day, that is my church, I'm coming home. Is there Jonathan here this evening? Just one person here to inspire courage within those who are spiritually depressed, bravery within those who are emotionally despondent, and valor within those who are morally discouraged. Is there just one person here who is willing to take big risks for God? Just one person here who is willing to surrender it all to Him? Just one person here who is willing to give up their job, their career, or their possession to do whatever God wants you to do? Is there just one person here this evening? Just one. Could it be that this evening there's that one person whom God and all of Israel is looking for? Beloved, won't you be that person this evening? I want to be that Jonathan. How about you? Is there Jonathan this evening? Is it just one? That's all God needs, just one. If you want to be that Jonathan, say, God, take me and do whatever you want to do with me. I've experienced the healing rain. I want to go out and I want to be used by you. I want to be that Jonathan. Is it this one? Amen. If you want to be a Jonathan, and I make that appeal to you, and please don't just stand, but I'm making an appeal. If you want to be a Jonathan, say, Lord, take me and use me. Would you stand for Jonathan, for God? Amen. God only needs one. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful God we serve. Amen. We serve a wonderful God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your love. And Lord, take the Jonathans in this room and may you use us as humble vessels of brokenness that have been healed to transform and to be used to inspire your church whom you love so much. Thank you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.